This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This is a big one, isn't it? This is this is humongous. Hugh, <laughs> this is I. This, I said I was nervous about Jack, mate. I'm more nervous about this one. Oh, are you? Yeah, this is like. Yeah. This is like idol territory, isn't it? Really, like he's managed our football team. Yeah, well, he, well, he, he manages is, it. He is managing. He's the sorry, manager. Yeah. He's the current manager. I, I don't. I don't know anything. I don't know anything. <laughs> no, he's the current. I know. Um. I mean, I've, have you written some questions down? I haven't got any questions in particular, but but he has had um, he has done some interesting things at other, at other teams. But oh, like what? Um, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know some... how, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know how open he is to talking about them, but he um, he I think he got he got the SAS didn't he? And at one point to kidnap yeah. his players. What? Kidnap them? Yeah, if you can find, I'll try to find the article. I'll send it to you. So he fantastic. Like, um, I'm sure didn't the England cricket team? I'm sure they did something like that. Why not? Stick a rocket up their ass. Um, I can't find it. Uh, I love it if you asked him. He just went, "No, what? That's not me." <laughs> yeah. So Gary. So anyway, for those of you who don't know, we have got Gary Caldwell on today, who is the manager he's the manager of Exeter City and he's been managing for about I don't know what was it seven eight games yeah he's not been in charge very long has he he's had a tricky period very tricky period God, I knew what he's come into those yeah those fixtures um I just want to know <laughs> what what do you want to know David this is what I'm interested in what do you want to know I just cannot imagine being told, right, if Julian Tag said, we've had a think, David, we want to go with you. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. Right, okay. now I've got to get down to work. Yeah. Fuck. What am I going to do on Monday? Oh, shit. I'll be, I'll be moaning at Nomi. I don't know what to fucking do. He just offered me the fucking job. I don't know. Yeah. What can I do? I think I don't know. I actually no, I don't think you would be like that. You would just adapt, wouldn't you? You'd just be like No, I wouldn't. Well maybe you would. But crap. you just have to try and I'd go in the wrong room. Where are you going? They're down here. Oh I'd spill something. Oh this bloke's an idiot. Sack him. Trip over. Shit. <laughs> 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 yeah, actually... I wanna know that. How can, how can you not? I want to know if he was nervous before he gave, you know, that speech he gave to the players, you know, the one that was on. Oh, yeah, yeah. Do you reckon he was bollocking? He's got to be scared. He's only human. But, you know. 
But how many how many times has he given that talk? Exactly. He's been in the business a long time now. Played at so the top it'd, level. It'd be like me going to do a gig. I'd have a yeah. bit of nerves. I'd be oh, so what's the worst that could happen? <laughs> I'm just re I'm really at, oh, I don't know. I don't know. I'm all jittery again because well, this here's is your chance, John. Here's your chance. Chance for what? Well, you're the heartbeat of the fans. Me? Yeah, aren't you? That's a, that's a massive statement, that. <laughs> I thought you were. Aren't you? <laughs> what do you mean by heartbeat? I don't know. I always imagine, like, I'm surprised, like, there's not a big banner of your face in the crowd. I always thought, like, you're, you've been on the board. Yeah. You're a commentator. Yeah. You do a poddy. I wonder if I'm more disliked or liked. Oh, liked. You think? You're the voice of the fans. I sometimes think I'm probably more disliked. No, that's my role. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you play that perfectly. <laughs> Can't help it. <laughs> Can't oh. help it. Shit, what um, if he hates us? Yeah, that's what I'm scared of. What if he, what if he leaves the pod early? What if he goes, no, no, this is crap. Oh, well, I'll go fine. Fine, just go. That's where you're gonna be. <laughs> Getting really defensive already. <laughs> Fine. I'm having the same. I remember when I used to listen to you and Joe do the pod, like the bits before I'd come on, and you'd all, you'd both be like, "Oh, what if they don't like us?" What they... And now I was like, I was thinking, "What are you on about? Of course they're gonna like you." But now I'm in the seat. I'm thinking, "Shit, what yeah. if he doesn't like us?" I he has to. Listen, well, you can only to. be you. You can only be yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. But right. if he doesn't like me, right? Say, say you get that vibe. He doesn't like you. I'm gonna go to every game knowing man, the manager don't like. Yeah, me. he didn't think much of you. Yeah. That guy down there. The, the one who's in charge of the team that I really love. Couldn't give a fuck about you. Yeah, yeah. He, he, probably he actually hates me more than likes me. <laughs> no, you don't want to get my uh, insecurities. <laughs> <laughs> See, this is what's happening. Yeah, I know. It's, just, it's, your... it's not good rubbing off on you like that. <laughs> no. Oh. I mean, I've got some questions here. I got. I put some questions in Patreon. So I've got mm -hmm. some from uh, fans. Uh, my wife's got a question for Gary. Oh, Gary's here now. Oh, here we go. Right. Right, here we go. No nerves. No nerves. No. <laughs> We're professionals. Industry professionals. Yeah. Big time. <clears throat> How are you doing, guys? Hi, wow. Gary. Wow. <laughs> this is a big one. This We're really big. nervous, Gary. Yeah. <laughs> so no, uh... <laughs> no, 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 we are. Uh, I feel like I need to curtsy or bow or something. <laughs> That's how he's on. You're done. It's the main man. Shit. What were you saying, John? Because jo we interviewed someone, Gary, last week, who's one of John's favourite YouTubers, and John said he's feeling more nervous today. Yeah. This is like, you've got the, the dream role in my eyes. Like, this is the biggest thing. Like, for, as an Exeter City fan, it's like, you're, you're the main man. Oh, well, good. Well, I, ho I hope I get some results for you then. <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear. How are you, Gary? Thanks for doing this. No, I'm really good. No problem. Uh, looking forward to it. Uh, obviously, heard your song and heard your... your... Yeah, yeah, it must have been over the moon when you heard that. Were you over the moon when you heard it? Surely a Christmas number one. 
<laughs> yeah. I was Has considering about doing it. What's that? Has it sold many records yet? <laughs> yeah, it's doing all right. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think, Gary? When you when you hear that, Gary, what do you think? Oh, don't what, ask that question. Your, uh... You know what he thinks. <laughs> uh, I just think it's brilliant that people take the time. I know, I do think, bloody hell, mate, do something useful for God's sake. Go and help the NHS or something. Yeah. Um, yeah, thanks so much for doing this. Uh, got loads of questions. A lot of them will be sort of nonsense, but I hope we can get something out of them. John, John's got some questions. My wife has asked a question. Um, That's it. Great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She hates football. <laughs> so that's her angle. Yeah. My, my partner, she's starting to hate football again. She uh, she loves football, but as soon as I get involved in it, she's then a, just a bag of nerves during the game. She can't watch the game. Did she come to Exeter and watch? No, she's, she's been to, she went to Morecambe and she went to Port Vale because I'm based up uh, South Manchester. Uh, oh, so yeah. she's she's still she's still up here with with the kids and that. So she's been to the games up here. She'll get down to Exeter at some point, but she's not been down yet. I I never even think of things like that. You think of like family and people coming to watch and like the that that's like another added level of pressure, isn't it? It's like oh, I can't even. Yeah. I'm gonna yeah. name drop now. I spoke to I met Sean Dyche a couple of weeks yeah. ago on Soccer AM. And uh, we were chatting about management, and he said, when he left his role, whatever that happened there, he said it was so nice just to get some free time yeah, with the family. And I hadn't thought of that part of football management, where you're just away all the time, and at Christmas. and No, it's tough. I mean, he was in that job probably nine, ten years, I think he was at Burnley. So when you're in it that length of time, and like you say, like the... The weekends are always taken. Your your Sundays, even though you've got Sunday off, you're thinking about the game. Then you're thinking about the next game, and then it's just uh, you, you must get be no... a nightmare to live with. <laughs> yeah, I, think, I think I think. Is, is it really that bad though, Gary? Do you like do you do you like struggle to switch off? Is it just sort of next, next, next all the time in your head? Yeah, that's something I'm trying to get better at. To be honest, when I'm with the kids and like just. You, you are thinking about the team and training, and but when I'm with the kids, I'm trying to kind of I sort of put my phone away. I'm trying to do that now because if you've got your phone and things come up, you just do them uh, and just try and be present. Difficult. What would what would come up on your phone in private? Was it just to do with the club? Just things need answering and yeah, emails, uh, group chats about training. Uh, getting information about training from the previous day, from training loads to oh my god, how, how players are feeling, different things. It's uh, yeah, it's twenty four seven. So outside of the training ground, how much work are you still doing? Football related, like how how full on is it? It's just non stop. Non stop, yeah. We so after training, training will be from eleven till twelve thirty for with the players. Then is that it. Uh, that all they yeah, do? yeah, that's what they'll do on the, on the grass, but yeah. then they'll do gym and stuff in the afternoon. But then we'll 
start speaking to players maybe individually, showing them clips from a previous game or for the next game. We'll start watching the opposition. So yeah, we at the staff are normally there till 6.30 maybe, five, between 5 and 6.30 uh, every day uh, to, to do things. And then you're in the next morning at just before 8 o'clock and, and you're away again. So are you, are you watching players individually like are they big can they be because when I, I went to Southampton training ground was but they said they could watch players in a specific match and just follow that player and I mean has Exeter got anything like that or is it just I, th- I think the new training ground will give us a huge uh, uh, lift in terms of the the facility the the kind of the, the stuff we can do in terms of individual development, the rooms that we'll have, the we'll have those screens and stuff which we don't have at the moment. Uh, so we will be able to help players more individually when we get into the new building. Uh, but at the moment, yeah, we'll watch training back every day. We'll analyse the team's performance, the units within the team, certain individuals. So there's there's always something to do, always something to do. So just just on like the workload. Because this is so interesting to me. Over the summer, how intense is it still? Like, how long are you taking off? Or, like, yeah, what's that? What does that look like for you? Uh, well, over the summer, just this is just on past experience. You'll you'll try and get a holiday, so maybe a week uh, holiday somewhere, and you'll like I said, you'll try and turn the phone off and you'll try and switch off. Uh, but there'll still be some things going on, and then. Once you've had that week's holiday, you're then starting to prepare pre-season training. You're always looking at recruitment during the summer, uh, and you're always you're not got that day-to-day element of training, day-to-day connection with the players, and, and having to deal with that. But there's always something else uh, that, that you're looking into, even over the summer when there, there is no games program. I've got a first question here, one I've just written down. How good at football were you at school and did the girls like you because of that? <laughs> and did they come and watch you play because my mate was good and they always liked looking at his legs? Uh, were you were you head and shoulders above everyone else? I was one of the better players at school. Yeah, I, I had a big brother that played football as well. Well, I still have a big brother, but he, he played football uh He's out in Toronto now. He's actually in Qatar uh, with a. He does some punditry for the Canada uh, TSN, so he's with the Canadian national team. But I was fortunate; I always had my brother, so we would, when we were young, we played football. And then when you got to school, we were one of the better players at school. Uh, You must have been the best, weren't you? The best. Yeah, yeah, one of the best. (laughs) At fourteen, fifteen, we got in like Scotland schoolboy teams, and then. That was when you really started to think this there could be a career here, there could be an opportunity. But even then, I think when I look back, the you know how difficult it is, and the 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 breaks you need along the way, and the little bit of luck, and all the the hard work and the sacrifice, it is it's a brilliant career, but it's not an easy career. I think there's so many, you know, my my youngest boy that I was twelve, and he plays football. You see so many kids playing football and. You know, they all want to be that, you know, footballer that can play in the Premier League or can play for the country. And, and that is a really difficult uh, path to take. And, and like I said, I think you need a bit of, a bit of luck along the way as well. What, so what was different about you? How come you made it and others didn't? Did you think, do you think you wanted it more? And 
Yeah, I think my biggest strength was my my mentality and my my kind of self belief. I, I wasn't. I say this, and I'm not trying to be humble when I say this. I wasn't a great player, uh, but I, I believed I was a great player. And, and any setback I could deal with, I could recover from setbacks because there is a lot. Uh, but I think where did when that I look come from, myself, Gary? Where did that come from? The self belief. <clears throat> I'm not sure because me and my brother, like you said, both had careers and are both quite different characters. But uh, I think my dad, my mum and dad were, were amazing for both of us uh, in terms of, you know, they really pushed us. They really, uh, they were they were really loving parents. I sound quite bad probably if I say this, but they were really demanding, you know, to get a well done off my dad was just like incredible yeah. that was utopia. I remember I'm reading about Ferguson saying Darren Ferguson said if he said well done Alex Ferguson it was like that was it yeah my yeah. dad was similar to that I played in a Champions League game once at Celtic and I think we lost the game and after it he proceeded to tell me how I wasn't tight enough I wasn't this I wasn't quick and, and I was thinking I'm I'm playing against some of the best players in the world here. Not not like not people from down the street, like the yeah. best players in the world. I said, and I'm trying, Dad. I said, but they're bloody good. So yeah. But, and then he was a bit like, yeah, I'm probably being a bit harsh on him there. But that was that was him right through when we were growing up. He always wanted more. He always wanted us to be better. And I think that's what kind of gave me that that drive. And in terms of my, my resilience I, I speak to people now and as a coach now you try and think of how you can help players develop that and be better but I, I genuinely don't know how I got it I think it was yeah. just uh, my dad and then good coaches when I was younger I had Alan Irvin Tommy Craig who were Scottish coaches at Newcastle and I had good uh, coaches through my career Tony Mowbray Gordon Strachan Roberto Martinez oh, wow. each person they put wow. something into you that I think, you know, I'm, I was very fortunate that those people kind of helped me on my career and, and allowed me to have the career I had. I can't believe you've played in the Champions League. Yeah, what? I was I'd I be thought, telling I everyone. The Champions League. I'll be in the book. I think a lot, of people, a lot of people think that when they've seen me play, probably. <laughs> but who, who did you play against? What players did you... Yeah, that, like, that was going to be my question. It's unbelievable. Yeah, I, could, I yeah. can't believe you just said Champions League. We, we actually, we had two amazing seasons. We qualified out our group twice, so we got to the last 16 twice. Uh, the first group was uh, Man United, Benfica and Copenhagen. And then oh we God. played AC Milan in the last 16 and got beat. Uh, just an extra time we got beat. And then the next year... We Who were you marking? Uh, some good players. Uh, Nuno, Nuno Gomez was a player at Benfica at the time, who was amazing. Yeah. Man United had uh, Luis Saha, Rooney, uh, oh Berbatov. What? They were they were good. Uh, and then the next year we actually got to the last sixteen and played Barcelona, and that was an experience to play Messi, Henri, Eto, Ronaldinho. That was quite 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 a daunting night, shall we say? <laughs> you played them in, well, in the new camp. We played, we played them at home. We lost 3-2 at home. Messi scored twice. And then uh, we lost 1-0 in the new Camp. They, Messi got injured, thank God, after about 12 minutes, or it might have been more. But he got injured after 12 minutes, and then we managed to hang on for a 0-0. But we didn't see much of the ball that night. So you played against Messi? 
mess you've literally shared a pitch with that's that's kind of is that not mind-boggling to you david yeah are those, are those in those moments do you ever have a second where you go look at me look at me playing at the new camp <laughs> Not, not when they're running rings on you, know, you stand with I'm in trouble here. <laughs> I'm in big trouble. <laughs> but is it because of the process, you just take everything, you know, not for granted, but, you know, it's your job. But are there times where you pinch yourself and go, this is insane what I'm doing? Yeah, I feel very fortunate that, I, uh, you know, I had that opportunity and, and great teams with great managers, like I said, that I had the opportunity to play in those stadiums against those players and uh, I think now when you finish and you look back I think you do go like wow that was amazing uh, to, to be able to have had those experiences but I think in life it's always the next experience you know so now yeah. my main focus is Exeter City making yeah. them better it's it's the same process you know that, that I went through as a player I feel like I'm in that process now as, as a manager and uh, I love every minute of it. Do you get the same or do you get any similar kind of buzz on the sidelines as a manager? Can you recapture some of those moments? Uh, I think more, to be honest. It's it's something wow. I always wanted to be was a a coach or a manager. From I, I done I started my B license when I was about twenty one, so I was I was quite young to start that, and I knew it was what I wanted to go into after after playing. So uh, I feel like when when. When we get like that Peterborough goal uh, in the last minute, and you know yeah. you've won the game, that feeling of togetherness and everyone connecting, I think as a as a player, you're so focused on your own job, and it's so difficult to do your own job. Whereas as a manager, you're trying to bring everyone together. You're trying to bring a whole football club together, and when that moment comes where you can see the connection between the fans, the players, and all the work that you've put in for that to happen. Uh, that's that's a greater feeling for me than, than being a player and playing in Champions League games or, or whatever. Oh, really? So something that I wanted to know, like just as we're talking about, obviously you coming down to Exeter. What what made you interested in, in the job, and what made it like uh, something that you would be you'd want to come down and do? The podcast. <laughs> well, apart from the podcast. <laughs> The supporters in the podcast. Uh, yeah. The, the, the football club, really, the, the values of the football club, the the academy, how they wanted to develop their own players and have a real history of doing that. And then the, the time that they give managers, the time uh, and the process that they believe in to, to get success, I think, was a massive, massive draw. And, and the modern game, there's so many clubs don't don't give managers time, but this is a club that has historically done that and that was a, a huge draw. And then when I met the board and the people involved at the club, then I was really excited because they're really good, honest people at the football club. So I was really excited to, first of all, get an interview, but to be offered a job and, and now to be doing the job is, is a great thrill and uh, something I'm really looking forward to uh, doing for, for a number of years, hopefully. That interview, I was when it was all happening. I was imagining because I put my name in the hat. There's no interest. You know, get an interview. No, it's just annoying. <laughs> Why? Like, um, <laughs> but I was imagining going. Is there any? I mean, it's sort of natural to feel nervous. But are you just really confident in what what you can give the club? And but when you're walking into that room, how are you feeling? 
Yeah, I think you're nervous because you're you you, you want the job. So whenever you want th something, I think you know it would. If you weren't nervous, and I don't think you'd be human. So I think what I've learned over the years, I've had a number of interviews now and, and gained experience at that. I think I've learned now that I don't think it's personal. It's it's my process is my process, and and that's what it is. And I always try and be honest. And I think. You can go into these interviews and say things that you don't really believe, and that's where I felt at Exeter that alignment and that connection between myself and the board and how we saw football and how we saw a successful football club. Straight away, you start to think this is this has got potential because of you know we were both agreeing on so many things. So uh, I think that's really important at that that honesty both ways from the club to me and me to the club uh, is vital and I felt that connection with Exeter straight away. And how's it, what's it like sort of stepping into the spot that Matt Taylor had? Is it strange just taking over from someone else mid-season? Or... No, I think everyone, everyone or every football manager will say mid-season is difficult because the, the team's in, in, a, in a process, the team's in a way of doing things everyone has their own way of doing things it's not better or or you know you're not criticizing the past regime everyone just wants things to be done different and i think as human beings we all don't really like change so uh to come in mid-season I, I was very clear on how i wanted to go about that and i didn't want to disrupt too many things too quickly but obviously i want certain things to, to start working towards my way of working in terms of how we prepare, how we how we try and play the game, uh, so it's it's a gradual process that that takes time. But really, a, a pre-season is a big moment where you can spend five six weeks together without any matches, where you can start to you know make big changes in the the playing style and, and the culture and different things within the club. So it's it's a gradual process to now where we have to win football games along the way. And I think yeah. come come the summer, that's when we can really start to implement different things. Did you, when you went in the office, did you bring little bits and pieces in to make it yours, like a little pot plant? Or <laughs> I've not yet. I've not yet. It's, uh, <laughs> no, no. The new we're waiting on the, the new training ground is going to be ready in January, and I think that will right. be a huge step for the club, and it will feel like a fresh start for everyone. Uh, yeah. So I'll bring. I'll bring my pot plant down then and put it in the new place. Yeah, it was like when I came in here, my wife's like, right, we'll put some rugs down, we'll put a throw on the sofa. We've not done that. <laughs> so Gary, when you, when you come in and you first meet the players, yeah. what's what's your what's going through your head? What are you trying to get across? What like when you first the first meeting you have when you first because I think the first meeting you had was actually published on on Twitter or YouTube. So like, what's going through your head? What do you want to get across? Uh. I really want them to just get an understanding of me and, and the type of personality I'm going to be. Uh, I'm not a manager who wants to dictate to players. I want to build relationships with players and get to know them. And and so I think that first meeting, I always say everyone is like first day at school, everyone's a bit nervous. And Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Are you nervous? Are you nervous before you oh give that to Yeah, you're, you're always nervous because you want to make a good impression uh, to, to the to the players to the club uh, but it's just about them getting to understand me know me a little bit and 
there's no big uh, Churchillian speeches or it's just a, a little bit to say this is you know I'm, I'm happy to be here this is what I want to kind of bring to, to you guys and I'm here to help and support you guys uh, and we get out to train really and once we, we start to get in the swing it then that understanding and people getting to know each other is, is, is so important I think building relationships in a team environment is so important that everyone knows that individual difference that everyone has and, and how we have to work together as a group is really important. When I saw that um, that little meeting, you when they put it in the little montage, it really reminded me of doing stand-up comedy. And like audiences smell fear, like the first few seconds, and you have yeah. to just be in control of the room. And I was imagining me taking over as manager that day and sort of tripping up as I walked down the <laughs> walk. Down. Oh, brilliant! I sometimes think up. a bit of humour, a bit of fun can kind of light in the mood. Uh, like I say, everyone's on edge and it's as if, you know, but you're going to be really strict and tell everyone this is how we're doing it now. But I don't I don't think that is the way. I think the way is to understand everyone is different and try to get yeah. to know everyone. I think, like I say, the team need to know me and what I want from from them for the club. Uh, and then if, if we all kind of work to those standards, then I think we can be really successful. Yeah. Because in the clip, you ask... You ask a question of the players, don't you? At one point, and at that point, I'd be thinking, "Oh God, what if, what if no one answers?" I'd be, I'd be dreading this sort of like silence in the room. You've got to be ready for that kind of yeah. moment. And it always does go really quiet. But the, I must admit, the players have been brilliant in terms of engaging, and and sometimes it, it takes time to to develop that two way communication. But the players have been really open and really honest, and. We are continuing to build and develop and, and work, uh, find a way of working together. So that that's important. We keep that moving forward. It's a bit like it's about you know when you have a cast. You know when you go into a different program as a cast, you yeah. you'll know about it, uh, David. Where you know you can't just put anyone together. You have to develop that chemistry and that understanding for it to 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 become a life. So it's similar similar to that. And so often the way like directors will choose those same people again and again because they just trust them and take them onto the next project and yeah yeah it's the same it's the same with players isn't it that's the same with players because you don't have to find out so much about them if you know their character then you know what you're or you know the minimum you're going to get uh, and i think by is, uh, that trust is really important is it how common is it to be sort of surprised by a footballer when you join as in they get better and better on the pitch or they're not as good as you think originally? Or... Yeah, I think that's a, a big thing. I think when you analyse the team, so when I analyse the team, I watch them on a screen. I haven't seen any games live, so everything's on a screen and it's hard to... You can analyse the technical and the tactical uh, information that you see, but to really get a feel for the person, then I think you can then develop that player even more and to, to be better. So some, I think... Some you're really surprised by how good they are and, and they're actually better than you thought. Others you might think, you know what, he's not quite as good. But I think you you work that out as you start to understand every every individual's character. And that's, you know, you have to give that analysis in the interview, but you're all, always a little bit wary to say, I don't actually know these people yet, so I don't know what they're capable of. And, and that's yeah. that to me is the, the big or the most enjoyable thing and coaching that, that when you really get to know someone's character and who they are, 
as, as an individual. That's when you can coach them to, to be a better football player. What, what do you look for in, in a good player? Like, what's, what are the things? So, obviously, everyone's different, every position is different, but what are the key components that makes a good player in your eyes? Uh, character. Lots of character, first and foremost, because in football, as, you, as you've seen over the years, I've I'm, I'm no doubt that there's highs and lows. There's, there's more lows than highs. So you have to be resilient. You have to be ready after those setbacks to, to go again and again. Uh, so the character of the player is, is really important uh, for, for building a successful team. And then there's all the, the technical and physical differences uh, throughout the team in terms of positions. Uh, so you need to be clear on how how the team wants to play first and foremost, and then how every individual fits within that team uh, profile. So I think that's really important in the modern game that you understand that. So we know how we want to play moving forward. Now we have to find specific technical and tactical profiles of players that will fit into that model. I um. Uh, was a fan of Man United for years and like this is all new to me League 1 and League 2 and I'm getting my head around all the players sodding off because they're they're on loans so <laughs> I'm getting it's really annoying me I think it's how's that as a manager yeah it's, I, I would much prefer to develop our own so like I said with Fortune Academy we have some fantastic young players that have came through into the team and are now developing to become you know big players for for the team which is great so i think if you can develop your own then then that is way better but i think league one and league two are you know you need those those quality players from the premier league that can that can add a little bit to your team because one you get them much cheaper than you would if you had to to buy them or pay for them uh and, and two, they, they have that, that Premier League quality. Obviously, they don't have the experience of other players, so you're doing the, the Premier League team a favour, but they're also doing you a favour by giving you that, that quality for a, a period of time. But don't they just go as soon as they're playing well? Don't they uh, just, you've got to say goodbye well, they're again. They're, they're six months now, so you're window to window. It used to be that you could go month, month to month, so you used to could get a month loan, and if they did really well, and another team wanted them, they could they could just go. So uh, that was uh, that was harder. But I think now, when you've got window to window, then there's a there's a bigger okay. commitment from from both really the player and the club. So Gary, what does a match day look like for you? What from you know start to finish? Well, also actually, what's a Friday night look like? Do you go? Did you go to bed early or are you? <laughs> bed early. Uh, yeah, a Friday's normally good that the the work is done and you can uh, just start to prepare for the game in terms of look forward to it. Really, we we have. Uh, Seven aside on a Friday, staff seven aside. You just need to get down and join in the game if he's if if he's any good. Yeah, very good. Not that the standard is very good, but we've been playing 
home games we're playing on a Friday about four o'clock we get a wee seven aside and it's our kind of way of the work is done now we can just have a bit of fun for it's 20 minutes it's seven aside as an inter-squad seven aside just the staff just the staff yeah staff yeah all the staff so we have that 20 minutes each way on the astro turf it's a small pitch because we're not great at running so that's been good and that's just a kind of a little way of, of kind of saying end of the week you know we can have a bit yeah. of fun now enjoy yourself yeah. and then yeah Friday nights just try and chill out a little bit and, and give kind of energise myself for the game because I think I'm a big believer in although I can't play the game I have to give the team energy I have to give players energy throughout the day and throughout the match on the side so uh, some games after the game you are absolutely drained because of the energy I can give the team are you really um, Really? Yeah, it, it can be quite tough. It's actually when I played, I didn't run a lot, so some games were quite easy. And as a manager, most games are very, very difficult because you're you're so engaged in the game and everything. You've obviously got pre-match, the team talk, half time. You, you've got a team talk. You have to analyse the game. Then you've got media after. So it, it can be can be quite a draining uh, draining experience in terms of the energy levels. Yeah. Do you ever think so for your for your pre-match and then half-time team talks and full-time? Are they pre-planned or are they sort of a little bit off the cuff or, or what are you thinking there? Pre-match, I always try and think of a theme uh, throughout the week that we've either been working on, uh, and I think pre-match is more about the the psychological, the connection. It's not tactical. The, the tactics have been done all week. The pre-match has to be something. So, for the first game at SGP, I, I showed the players a video of the supporters. There was there was some comments about calves in it. Uh, again, football. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> but I, I wanted. Did did we win on your first game? We did, didn't we? We won. Yeah, we won yeah, against well, That's what I'm saying. Talk about legs more. <laughs> I'll maybe bring that up on Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> maybe that's where I've gone wrong. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I try and, uh, what I was trying to do was find a way of, it was my first experience of SGP, but rather than me saying it, I wanted the players to feel what it meant to the people who go there every week and, and what that experience feels like and to know that they were they were behind you. And, and like I said, I think it worked that day. The, the whole stadium was, was amazing that day. So I always try and think of something that, you know, I can use to inspire the players, to motivate the players. It's not normally tactical at half t- uh, pre-match. At halftime, I look at clips. So we have an analyst who videos the game. So during the game, I can get specific really? what, clips. At half-time? half-time so at half-time, we will, I will look over some, not, not a lot, but some clips that we've got and if there's anything I feel I need to show the players that will help them in the second half. So we've done that. We actually done that on Friday night. We showed two clips out of possession, two clips in possession. And it has a big impact on the players because they're getting live feedback that allows them to then go and... And normally you would have done it on like a tactics board. You've seen a little football tactics board with a wee magnetic. And I think when you can show the actual live picture, if you put it on a tactics board, that they might argue they were a yard or two higher or lower. When you put the live picture up, then it's yeah. clear. And that 
I think a lot of fo most footballers will be will learn from those visual pictures. We'll give them a lot of kind of learning for the second half. So uh, that'll be the main focus of uh, half time. And then again, just before they go out, it'll be that motivation again and that uh, trying to pick them up psychologically and get them ready for the second half. And then post game can be a number of things, can depending on obviously the result, the performance. Uh, and it's, it's normally just a quick debrief. You don't want to get too into it too much because it's pretty emotional it can can be raw or sometimes you might want a little bit of kind of teacup thrown and a bit of anger so it just how depends do you, how do you know what how do you know what to do you, is it just instincts on that you just go right i'm going for it it deserves it tonight yeah uh, yeah at, at that point it, look you can have an idea but it's it's pure instinct at that point and that's where i think football management is so difficult that there is no manual that tells you what to do at that point and what to say and how to say it. So you have to go off instinct. You have to go off your connection with the players, with the team. You have to understand what individuals can take more criticism than others or, you know, what individuals can be spoken to on their own. So it's it's pure instinct at that point and you have to be, well, you have to know what you're going to do, but it, is, it isn't pre-planned. Uh, so you've no, you've no script that you can go off at that point. Has there ever been a time where has there ever been a time where you've like thrown thrown something or gone oh and then afterwards thought oh probably shouldn't have done that or has there been times where you thought I could have handled things differently because I can imagine I I don't know I'd get angry and throw a water bottle or something and then you think oh that maybe might not have been justified. Yeah, there's always I think I asked the players to to analyse themselves and analyse the game so you know if I wasn't doing that then you know I I'm I'm kind of telling them the wrong thing so I'm. I'm very much someone that looks at me and, and what I do and how I can be better on every training session, every match day. The staff were all encouraged to do that as well. So then, you know, I think that that kind of then lends itself to the players to then being uh, self-critical and analysing their own performance. So I, I look at myself every day and think, how can I do that better? How can I, or what went really well? W would I do that again? When would I do that again? So uh, there is a constant kind of, plan, do, review cycle that you're going through every day where you're trying to kind of analyse everything and the next day you just go through that same process. So yeah, there is moments where you think, you know what, could have handled that differently, could have been better uh, and, and you try and learn from those moments. Uh, like Morecambe was really, fr I watched it on I thought it was so frustrating, that second half, <laughs> all over them. And you know, I'm laying on the sofa, God's sake, turn it off. You've got to deal with a camera in your face five minutes later going, why do you think... Nah, nah, nah. Is that... Are those moments... Are those moments... That's no impersonation of Craig, by the way. Just... <laughs> I thought it was. <laughs> but, but how, how do you deal with those moments? Because you, you, as a fan, you do leave the ground just feeling so pissed off. But you haven't got to answer those questions. Are they tricky moments? They are, yeah. I think... More comes probably easier in a sense that we played really well. There's a frustration yeah. that we didn't win the game, but I'm a big believer in process. And if we keep playing like that, we will start to win games. So that was an easier one to deliver. The hard one to deliver is Oxford, where yeah. you really are disappointed, angry at the result and performance. Uh, and, and those interviews are much more difficult because... 
you know, you're trying to go on and 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 speak uh, about the game, but your anger probably <laughs> just shows on the screen, and you're, you know, that's where I could probably do some acting lessons for you at that point. How I yeah. can uh, change what I'm or say something not what I'm feeling. Uh, but at those moments, it's it's really difficult to come across in a in a positive way because you've literally just lost a game and you've you've got that frustration and anger inside you still. But when you do lose 4-0, I mean, how how much of it is the players and how much the other team just have played very, very well? Like, if you're getting angry, then surely you, you've seen something in the performance where you go, we haven't tried hard enough. Yeah, there's, there's so many things to analyse in the performance in terms of, uh, you know, like you said, that application, the attitude, the, the work ethic, but then there's the, the technical aspects of how you perform the actions. Then there's a the tactical how were we planning to play against them and how did we play against them? Did we actually try and do the things we'd been working on all week? Were the opposition really good? You know, so sometimes you can lose a game of football where the opposition are just better and, and they've they've outdone you on the day. And I think when you've been in football long enough, you can you can live with that. It's it's not nice, but you, you understand that as as a game of two teams that are both trying to win. Uh so there's a whole host of reasons why you lose football matches. I think what, what I'm trying to get across to the team is that we dictate our own destiny now. We are the ones, no matter who we play against, uh, we go into the game with a clear plan of how we're going to be in possession, out of possession. We will work on that plan all week and then we will be judged on whether we you know, do that well or don't do that well. The result is almost it's out of our control to a certain extent because the opposition could play extremely well, the referee could give a horrendous decision. You know, that's it's a little bit out of control, but if we perform at a level uh, and a standard that we believe we can we can be at, then if we do that consistently then I believe we'll get we'll get results over the longer term. I mean tactically, if if you've been working if you watch the team not Sort of deliver what you've asked. Are you not just standing on the sideline going, "Why are you playing like this? We've literally been working on it for five days." It can be frustrating. It can be frustrating, but that's that's my job, and I, I see that as yeah. that's that's on me, uh, and I have to. Well, it's not really, is it? It's on them. No, I have to get that across better. I have okay. to, right? You know, find different ways of communicating with the players, and that's. I think we're in that process a little bit at the moment. We were still. Uh, understanding each other and, and uh, the process that we're going through and I don't think that just happens like that, I think you have to go through some some lows and we probably will go through others to, to, then, to then improve and I think after Oxford there was a real increase throughout the week in training and in intensity and in engagement in what we were doing and then I seen that in the performance at Morecambe so I had that's what really gave me a lot of hope at Morecambe whilst we didn't win the game a lot of things we'd worked on, we we did on the night, and and but for, you know, a little bit more in the final third, or or dealing with the corner that they scored from, we 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 should have won the game. And if we keep performing at that level, then we we will win a lot of games this season. It's interesting that you mentioned that <clears throat> you take that burden on yourself if if they don't perform the way you told them to perform during the week, that's on you because. There's a lot of managers, like I don't know, that, you know, Ian Holloway, those types of managers that say, well, once they've crossed the white line, it's you know, like, I, there's nothing I can do. But it's interesting that you still take that on yourself, and you're trying to still implement that during the week. It, that's not, it's quite refreshing to hear, actually. Yeah, because that's 
all, all people learn in different ways and you know how we get that across to the group like i said we we, we don't know that for everyone at the moment because we've, we've only known them for a short period of time uh as as individuals so how we put the information across to for one player could be totally different to the other player one player could receive loads of information another player might just have one one bit of information so uh, we're, we're starting to find that out every game every training session yeah. and and i think that is a that's why it's 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 a long process to get to the point where you go i i, I trust these players i know these players how to get them ready for a game how to speak to them when they lose, how to speak to them when they win. And and you start to develop that over time and through the experiences you share together. Uh, so we've only had seven games, uh, five yeah. of which have been away from home. I've only been to SGP twice for a, for yeah. a, for a game. And, yeah. and really such... tough opponents as well. Yeah, you've had the most ridiculously yeah. hard running. Yeah, yeah I didn't, I didn't think that. I thought... Matt's left me a, a nice run of games here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he got out at the right time, eh? <laughs> yeah. yeah. But that's that's football, and, and as a club, we have to embrace that. We, you know, Matt and the boys last year done incredible to to get promotion, and and now this is the reality of promotion. This is what League One football is, and we have to enjoy that and embrace that challenge. Not look at these games and go, oh, we've got you know big clubs like Ipswich coming or Sheffield Wednesday, it doesn't matter. If we perform how we perf can perform, then we can beat these teams and that has to be our mindset. Gary, it, I said from the mentioned... start... Go on, go on. I said from the start we're going to sneak in the playoffs and get promoted. Can you please convince John that that's exactly <laughs> what we're going to be doing? Um, I'm, I'm not going to be as, uh, as sure as but you, I... but... We'll, we'll try just, and like you it. said then, when they play at their best, they're, they're as good as anyone that I've seen anyway. They are, yeah. yeah, they are. And that's the message I'm trying to get across to them and uh, how we're training. Uh, that has gone up in terms of physical and, and what we're doing every day. There's, there's, a, there's an improvement I see every day. And I sometimes think as a player, you don't quite see that or feel that. So it's my job to, to show where we're improving, to show how we're improving. And then... Like I say, motivate them, uh, inspire them to on a Saturday to take that out in the pitch because it's not an easy environment. It's not an easy thing to do to go out in front of a live audience. You you'll know to to perform and be at your best in that moment at three o'clock on a Saturday or seventy forty five on a midweek. It's it's not always easy to do that, and every player has different things in their life, different. Uh, moments they're going through in terms of their football, their confidence, their fitness levels. So it's it's a tough process, but uh, it's my job to get them ready to do that. And when they can do that and be at their best, then then we're a match for anyone. Do you think the current group believe in themselves? Believe they're good enough to play at, at this level? I think they're they're in that process of starting to uh, believe. Yeah. I think whenever you go up a level whenever you're tested to to like I mean going back to myself when I played in the Champions League I was like wow this is you know this is now a real test and there's that am I good enough and you need to have good moments and, and moments where you think you know what I, I can handle this level it was you know really challenging for myself and I think the players that now are nowhere near kind of that jump in terms of where they are as footballers and where they're playing but 
I think if they, you know, analyse what they've done and keep looking at the process we worked to week on week, then they have to gain that belief because they've earned the right to be here. Now it's about showing that in this league, we're, we're not only a team that can just be here, we're a team that can really compete at the, the right end of the table. What's it? What was it like, Gary, walking out of the new camp? Like, are you aware of everyone around you? Or are you just focused on the game? And are some players? Do some players crumble in that environment as well? I, I think it's amazing. Look, that's that's why we all play football to play at you know big stadiums against the best teams at the highest level you can. Now that that might be the Champions League, it might be League One, whatever level it is, you push your body, your 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 kind of mindset to that that peak level, whatever that is, then that's all we ask of the players, to be the very best uh, version yeah. of themselves. But when you're in those environments, you either, I, I do think it's either sink or swim. You have to either stand up to that challenge and fight and look, you know, ultimately, on uh, many occasions, I wasn't good enough for that level, but it wasn't through lack of effort or lack of trying to, to be at that level. It was playing against people of, of far better quality and I think if you're honest with yourself, then then you can live with that. So yeah, uh, that's yeah. our challenge just now. To we're in a level where it's it has went up. You know, not a lot of the players have played at this level before, but uh, week on week they're starting to realise that they're actually they have got the ability and the talent to to be successful at this level. The, the one thing that I would say is. <sighs> It, like, because you, you mentioned before, it was difficult with Matt going and coming in. Has there been anyone that it's hard to to word the, the question right? But has there been any individuals that have stood out to you as you know, like leaders and really helped helped you in coming in? Uh, yeah, there's there's been loads of people. I think what I've found is as a a really uh, friendly, hardworking, dedicated football club from from the board. Right down to you know everyone that's working at the academy to the, the the staff on a daily basis at the training ground, everyone is committed to this football club, and that's rare. That's rare that you go into a football club and there's not some people that you're you're worried about and worried about their motives and why they're here. I think uh, I've I've been very fortunate to come in in an environment where everyone's committed to the football club. Everyone wants the best for the football club, and now. It's my job to to guide them uh, on on the path to, to to be successful and to where to where I think is the the things that are needed for us to improve and to develop and to get better at this uh, this level. But there is a lot of good people that are that have been helping me and supporting me in that process, and and that's going to be needed moving forward to for us to to get what we we want. Yeah, gotta be bloody brilliant to go out, wouldn't it? <laughs> wouldn't it? That? Cool. It would be lovely. It'd be bloody brilliant to go up. <laughs> uh, honestly, it's all I think about. I'm done with League One, Gary. I'll be honest with you. Let's get into the championship and get on with it. <laughs> How? Um, who's the most underrated player you play with? Who? Who do you think should have or could have have had a bigger career? 
it's a hard question. I don't think that there's there's no uh, there's no name that jumps out. But I I played with so many players. You know, whether it be at Newcastle Academy or when I was younger at teams on loan, that I thought oh, he'll he'll be a good player, and and they don't quite do it. And that's where I, I said at the start, it's such a difficult career, and and so many things can can alter your your path, and 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 you can't get to the level you maybe should have or or could have. So it's uh, it's really difficult, and that's uh, that's what I love most about my job is. Is supporting the players and trying to help the players, and what I know is a really difficult journey. And you know, especially the young group that we have at the club, the now fantastic young talent uh, that that I want to help uh, and and develop so that they can they can take their career to to the the very top levels of the game. My mate was at um, Southampton with Shearer. I think he was a couple of years below, but he said there was one player. Who was sort of head and shoulders above Shearer, and he just didn't make it. Became a window cleaner, but he was the one that shone at the age of sixteen, seventeen, and just—it's just mad, isn't it? The past people. Well, if you look reason. at like past players that, that we've had, like Ollie Watkins when he was younger, obviously gone on to play for England, been a top player in the Premier League. When he was fourteen, thirteen, got released and then got taken back on. So you know, it's, oh, really, people, people develop at different stages. It's it's really interesting and. Matt Grimes, again, was one of those that was really good, then dropped off a little bit and then caught yeah. up again. And These kinds of players that, that you produce, they just all develop at different stages. Really interesting. Yeah. And I think everyone's journey is different. So I was at Newcastle as a kid and got released, having never played a game, and then got back at the Premier League at 28 when I signed for Wigan. So, you know, like Amazing. some people need those setbacks or whatever it is to then, to then bring them back. Other people just kind of it can be plain sailing, and they can they can go like that. So uh, everyone's journey is different, and that's where I suppose coaches come in and mentors that we can we can guide the people, at, uh, the players at different times, and and help them through that process. I've got some questions here, Gary, from some fans. If you're up for answering, yeah. Uh, um, Tell Gary about your own management style. No. Uh, <laughs> no, not now. No, we don't want to hear about that. <laughs> how is, how is, I've got a question for you. How is, uh, how is Ricky Gervais when you're working with him and how does he create that, that kind of team spirit and that togetherness on a, on a set? Great question. Um, he's really playful. Really playful. And does he ever get, does he ever get, like, Right, oh yeah, work. yeah, yeah. In fact, <laughs> sometimes we do. So I'm like, hang on a minute, mate. You've just been <laughs> fucking around for half hour. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, there was one time when I got really relaxed on Derek, because the, there's quite a lot of improv for me. But I got quite relaxed, sort of three or four weeks into filming, and I hadn't really looked at the script. I was just like, oh, I'll blag it on the, because he let me muck around and. And then I turned up on set, he said, right, I want you to nail those lines. What? What lines? <laughs> I'm looking to the script. <laughs> but I didn't tell him this. I was like, shit, fucking hell, I'm like, the fuck, shit. But he would, yeah, there, there was be loads of playing. Um, and do you know what? One thing, we all finish work at 3 or 4 p.m. So we start at half seven. And 
you're gone. If you're there at 5, 5 p.m., then you're like, oh, what's going on? Why are we still at work? Whereas every other film set is 7 and 10, and then it's like a big scramble at 7 p.m. Yeah, so he's... So he, so he arranges his... Whether he gets an extra week, I don't know, but he arranges his time where he basically says, no one does any good work after 3 p.m. Let's all just go home. And everyone yeah. fucking loves working for him. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's just been, uh, I think, just been thirty people in it, and and yeah, like I think there's, I have a lot of things where the players come and ask for different things, and if you're fair to the players and you you look after them, then then I think they give you more in, in return, you know. And there's, you could be, you could be a dickhead about certain things and and say no, you can't do that and you can't do this. Yeah, but I'd, I try and treat them like adults and allow them to. To kind of have fun as well. We we every day in training we try and do one thing that's like a fun exercise or a little game or, and I think that's really important for human beings yeah. because we're all we're all playful, uh, or we want to be in that environment. And if everything's just you must do this, you must do this, then then people switch off. So we we try and have fun every day in the training pitch before we then go into the tactical or, or things where people need to switch on. I think that's important. Yeah, and also I guess regarding Ricky, he gives you the opportunity to be what you what you can bring to. So he'll get specific people in his projects, like stand-up comedians who who don't have to rely on a script, who can play, or but he'll get certain other actors who have you know have to nail the dramatic yeah. moments. So, so it's getting you, those right. What's that? But when you're on set, do you just sometimes go in here and say something that's not in this? Oh God, yeah, loads, loads, and I and I know, and they'll keep it in. Oh yeah, yeah, he'll he'll go. Yeah, I just know if he likes it, he'll it'll make him laugh, and there's a good chance that'll be in, and and he'll just give that scene. will have a lot of space to play in, so it, you know, dramatically in the story. Uh, storytelling is probably not that important my scenes but so that's a moment you can stop the story and muck around and talk about and is that quite is that quite is that quite different for other directors and other sets and yeah yeah so um kerry godleman who's in derek she she went to do him and her i don't know if you ever saw him and her but stefan who writes that um apparently you have to nail every single syllable and word so she came yeah. back and went, bloody hell, that was a different experience from working <laughs> with Ricky. Yeah, so yeah. he definitely gets he gets the right people in for the right jobs, like you were saying, basically. That's, that's the same with football, isn't it? You know, different managers different have different styles, all sorts, and different players like playing under different managers. It's the exact same. I went to an FA course about, oh, when was it now? be about probably eight, ten years ago when they, they created the New England DNA and it's they claimed they were going to win the World Cup, although it's still not going to happen, but they did claim well, a long time ago is, they were going to win it. It is going to happen. <laughs> uh, so I went to a course and there was loads of workshops that you could pick and choose and then there was main uh, events that you went to and one of the workshops was uh, Le Miserable, the director, I can't mind the guy's name, and his wife who was involved in it as well. And Gareth Southgate was actually there. He was England under 21 manager at the time. And we, we went in the room and every other room was set up in rows of chairs. 
and we went in this room and it was in a semicircle and straight away i was like oh this <laughs> this looks a bit different just the way it was set the, the environment was set up so we all sat in a semicircle looking in and the director started speaking he'd done about 15 minutes and explaining how he built his uh squad or or cast for les miserables and he spoke about the he could have the best uh, main part and if they didn't connect with the 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 second part then then he wouldn't get them if if he found two people right. that could connect so it yeah. wasn't just about being the best for that role it was yeah. how they all connect with the other cast yeah. and it was really interesting how they they related it to football but then they said right everyone push your chairs back and stand up and that was when i really started panicking they started teaching us a song from les miserables and we had we had to perform it it was the i've not seen it but it was at the end of the day you're what, a little you and bit gareth did a little dance all of us it was <laughs> but it gets worse yeah. there was about 20 people in the room must have been 20 people in the room so we, we we started doing one line at a time two lines then we started acting it a little bit i say acting it was terrible but we did act it and it was the most amazing experience ever just being in that room and doing something different and and the director how he inspired you i actually thought i was in the show at one point i thought i'm yeah i'm acting here you know because well, i feel so- like i'm in the team at this current moment <laughs> chatting to you so anyway yeah, yeah. I told all, we had a meal that night and 300 people in the main room at St George's Park and I was telling everyone how good this, that sounds amazing. And the singers were, were doing little performances between meals. And then they said, there's actually a group of people that can sing this song better than us. And I was like, oh my God, they got us on the stage. So we then had to go on the stage in front of 300 people, Gareth Southgate, Edie Buffroyd was there uh, and, and, and other people. And 20 of us had to sing that song in front of 300 people oh my god it was an amazing experience but yeah that was uh, care to do it now uh, no christmas (laughs) how how big big were you giving it were you hiding a bit were you like sort of shy shy in a ray or were you just going i was i was playing at the back and like just (laughs) you had to you had to move forward and stuff and i just thought no they hang at the back here that was i was right out of my comfort zone there yeah, there's a th- I think it's something you said, but it's that thing of chemistry as well. Because um, in the first series of Afterlife, uh, me and Ethan just had a little scene together we improvised. And I think there was just a little spark between us. We sort of worked out a little bromance. And I think Ricky saw that and thought, oh, I'm having that in the second series. So it's having yeah. those right players sort of working well on, I don't know, on the left wing, right wing, up front. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. That chemistry and that understanding is. Like it's almost telepathic, isn't it? You don't you don't know how they know, but they just know. Uh, yeah. So when you're bringing new players in, it's just it's just guesswork, isn't it? And I guess quite a lot of research though. But when they're actually on the pitch together playing, you don't know if they're going to gel or. Mm. No, and that's why you you when you pick teams, you're putting players in different positions, and you're seeing different attributes throughout the week you're seeing how players work with other individuals so uh, I sometimes feel for the fans a little bit because they see a team go out and they think bloody hell what, what, where has that came from but they don't we probably should give more insight into how the players are working and that development throughout the week and and this is why the team is, is kind of this is why the team that's playing is playing so 
Uh, there is so many things going in. You could see just something in training that you think these are going to connect with each other and you pick a team and, and cross your fingers in hopes that, hope that it works. <laughs> That's what I mean. Football fans only see this 90% or 90 minutes, sorry, of a seven day week. And yeah. they think, you know, sometimes it's easy. It's easy to judge when you've only seen 90 minutes. But when you've, you're you building up to the week and you see every minute of every yeah. training session, it's, yeah. it's, it's, then you can start to understand like, why the decision. Like Josh, Josh Key just now. So when I came in, Josh Key was playing centre half. And every day I see a player that is just amazing, incredible football player that can that can do different things when he runs and dribbles with the ball and how he receives the ball. And then we thought about he's he's a natural wing back, but then even higher up we thought this guy could be a real threat because he's one of the quickest, he's one of the best in one v one. So using his using his talent higher up and the Oxford game was a bad day, but in Morecambe, he obviously scored and, and we've seen the potential that, that he could bring. And that's that's one of these moments where you go, you know, this is a player that could give us even more in a different position and, and you, you try it and see if it works. Sometimes it might not work. Uh, sometimes it, uh, it will. And I feel with him, he's that, that player that can do something that you, you didn't see originally. And the more you work with him, you see so much potential. He's an incredible athlete, isn't he, Josh? He's always in the gym. He's always he looks after himself incredibly well. He, from what we hear, he's an absolute athlete. He's brilliant. He's a he's a joy to work with. But it's that speed and that power and that ability one v one and dribbling with the ball that if you have him further back the pitch, it has less of a minute an impact. And the higher up you put him, if he does that in the final third, it's creating goals and scoring goals. So uh, that's why he's been moved there, and it's it's worked so far. And I think. Because he's went from right centre back to left wing, the change in that is so big for him. I think he can only get better the more the more he does it and the more he trains it week in, week out. He's only played well, it's only one and a half games because he actually switched position at half time in the Oxford game. So he's only played one and a half games there. He's already scored one goal and, and the potential for him in that position is huge. He's always shown glimpses of that though, even under under Matt. He was always really attacking. And then I think he's the person who sets up Sam Nombe at Fleetwood, isn't he? He has a bit yeah, of magic yeah. in Fleetwood game and he has a bit of magic in the corner. The he, he played he played centre-forward and wide as a kid uh, before he even came to, to Exeter. He was with some other team in Devon uh, before he came to Exeter. So uh, once once he came to Exeter, he went, he went back as a, a natural full-back. But... He, he does have, as he was younger, he, he has played in those positions. You weren't looking down your nose at that other team in Devon, were you, Gary, when you were saying that? No, I was just saying, it was, I don't know what. <laughs> um, when we played uh, um, on Sky, Plymouth and, was it Ipswich? It was, yeah. Did you speak to your wife about what jumper you should wear? <laughs> I didn't, no. I, I normally Did get she ever dressed. say... She, she did. She got my nice new jacket. She had the same jacket, uh, which was nice. But I'm, uh, yeah, I just get criticism normally, M- more from my mum uh, about what same I'm wearing. Way. Yeah, same. She, she same. normally goes mad. If I sometimes I'll get a jersey that we maybe win some games, and I'm not overly superstitious, but I might stick with the jersey, and it might look tired and old. And she's like, "Why are you still wearing that jersey?" And yeah, so, yeah, I get criticism from my mum at times on appearance. Do you think you'd get abuse if you wore dungarees? 
<laughs> Maybe. Uh, Ke- yeah. Kev's all, I'd Kev's love to been, see you strut out some dungas. Kev's been on it me about the chinos and the Guardiola, the trainers, and um, oh, yeah. I, I'm not a fan. I'm a traditional. Yeah. Uh, I, I believe uh, I was. Sir Alex Ferguson, Bobby Robson, those kind of managers were were my kind of uh, inspiration when I look back, and uh, they were always shirt and tie, club tie. Uh, so yeah. I'm a big believer in either a club tie and a, and a, a kind of trousers or the club tracksuit. And I just believe you're representing the football club at that time. If you've won as many Champions Leagues and Leagues as Guardiola, then you can wear whatever you want. But God, you can, can't you? you can literally and, and, wear until anything. that point, I'll stick to I'll stick to what I'm wearing at the minute. I asked Matt Taylor this about the dugouts, like. Why don't you sit in the dugouts? And I, I think he said it's because they're basically a shithole, Exeter's dugouts. <laughs> if are... we had nicer dugouts, would you sit in the dugouts? No, you don't <laughs> get a great view. I think, uh, yeah, you're you're quite, you know, restricted to what you can see if you're sitting in there, so that's why you stand up. Uh, our technical area is the closest technical area in world football, I think. And if it does what? ever get a bit spicy in there then it could really kick off because they well, are the the I know it's at Morecambe but when I was watching I follow the commentator kept saying well Gary Colwell's not looking very happy on the side of the pitch <laughs> <laughs> so I hope it does get a bit spicy sometimes it has boiled over a few times in our in our technical area I think uh Matt Matt and Joey Barton had a few at a at a close altercation and, and who's the guy at Plymouth was it no not at Plymouth or he was a. He what he used is it Derek someone? Derek Adams. Oh, yeah. yeah, he yeah. was the manager. He was, was manager it? on Friday night. On Friday yeah. night, yeah, yeah. yeah. Was he yeah. all right? Was he all right, Gary? He He's right. a fellow Scotsman, yeah. So he was all right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't like him that much because he's Plymouth, so I need to. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. That's but, the right answer. But yeah, I mean, I don't want to watch a punch up, but it'd be great to just see. Yeah, it's know. just I've never known them so close. The the, oh. the the manager is roughly right next to you, so if anything does kick off, then there's no hiding place. It's going to be. Exciting. How much are you paying attention to them and what they're doing and what they're wearing and well, not necessarily wearing, but how yeah. much are you going? Oh right, I've never worried about what they're wearing, but you just <laughs> you, yeah, you might hear something or you might you know they might be shouting something on that you can pick something up and that's we are very close oh. normally they're they're a bit further away so you you're actually not can't hear anything but you could actually kind of eardrop in some of the tactics i'm a bit maybe something i'll get kevin to kind of sit in and listen and try and hear anything yeah well i i find it amazing that you can watch a football match and go right i just need to do a bit of that switch that stick in there ask him to do that and then that will I just don't understand what you're looking at. But anyway, that's not my job, so I don't know why I said it. Sometimes, job. though, like, don't Kev be earpieced up to Marcus up on, the, on the gantry and there'll be communication from different angles and different views of the pitch. It's not all solely on you. Yeah, so we have uh, Marcus, Perks, and uh, Kev will be connected via just a communication, so anything they see higher up, then, then they can... Because ideally... The manager would sit in the stand to get the best view. That's of the what game. I was going to ask. Would, uh, would you sit in the stands if it was more ideal? I think the manager has to be there for that input to the players and 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 that on-field communication. But if you if you look at rugby, then all rugby coaches sit 
in in a in a box and watch the game from there and and they use the captain and different people at the touchline to to affect the game so there's many different ways to do it but yeah we have communication between the analysts and that's where we can if i see something i can say click that and the analyst has a software that you can just press a button and it clips a 20 second clip and then we can show the players that at half time so the technology and the the data that you get now in football is is mind blowing, to be honest. Yeah, whenever I'm on whenever I'm on the radio at halftime, I always see Marcus scuttling down with his laptop, and he'll he'll bring it in. So yeah, it's 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 all so, so interesting. It's like it's mind boggling how quick you can get feedback now. Yeah, John, John's a commentator, Gary. Lucy <clears throat> Devon. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. When, I, when I can, I'm I'm at uni at the moment in Manchester. John, so can we do a bit now? No, 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 no. Go on, no, show no. Gary what you can do. No, no. no say no, we've no. missed a chance and the camera's cut to Gary. What would you say? Over to you, John. <laughs> I'm not. I'm, no, no, no. We can't do this. Not in front of Gary. He needs to I'll just copy what the Morkham commentators say. Well, Gary Colwell's not looking too happy with uh, with that mistake. He's good, isn't he? <laughs> natural, natural. Yeah. Where are you at? University in Manchester? Yeah. All oh, right, I'm. Um... Not far from Manchester. My like my family home's about half an hour from Manchester. All right, yeah. I, I have to be fair. I, you know, I was I've lived in Exeter all my life, so moving to a big city I thought would be something I wouldn't really like, but I've absolutely loved it. John was on the board at twelve years. Well, not twelve years. Old, <laughs> twelve. No, no, you I were was, sixteen. Was, you were sixteen. Yeah, I was. I, I was a trustee at Exeter City at sixteen. Oh, yeah. So I st- stood for election and then got got voted on at 16. Did that for three years, and then sort of stopped that and sort of focused more on brought my broadcasting career. But yeah, I've done a fair bit in and around the club. Brilliant, that's great. Yeah, and you're don't you have your lectures at the Etihad, John? Yeah, so <clears throat> all my lectures are uh, at the Etihad. Yeah, so it's I do a sports business and broadcasting degree. And that's uh, at uni, which is is hosted at the Etihad, which is good. Get to yeah. go to the Etihad every every day. But yeah, it's interesting at, little life. You do anything at Media City, at Salford? No, I, I've been I've been a few times, but I haven't haven't ever been as in gone in and, and done anything there. But it's it's a it's really good place to be if you want to be in the industry. Yeah, brilliant. Gary, do you ever get pissed and troll the forums? <laughs> No, I don't want to hit. I don't want to know if he does. I can't believe he does. Uh, I occasionally get pissed, but I'd never troll a forum. <laughs> I love the forums. Awful I, place. I bloody love them. Bad place. <laughs> Terrible. It's not yeah. a place I ever need to go. I don't think. No, 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 no. Um, couple more questions, Gary. Is that all right? No problem. Um. Well, my wife asked this one. I'm like, oh, I might as well ask it. <laughs> when a managers get really into it on the sideline, how much of it are they putting on? Do they really care that much? <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I've never put it on, to be honest. No, no. I've no. Always, actually, once in Scotland, I went on after a game to... Uh, to a referee who we got man sent off, we drew the game, but if we kept the man on the pitch, we'd have won. It was never a sending off. So I went on and I was a little bit animated, shall we say. And his response was, is this just all for the fans, Gary? At which point I went ballistic. (laughs) Did you? And then seen him in the tunnel as well. 
and ended up getting a one game ban and so yeah but he he insinuated that I was putting on a show for the fans and then that was when I lost it so to answer your wife's question no I've never put it on for the fans I genuinely do care <laughs> yeah honestly if it got a bit spicy in the technical area between now and May I'm bang up for that yeah same. <laughs> I'll, I'll be in there can I just can I end on this because I don't think I'm ever going to speak to someone who's who's done this. What is I know we've spoken about it already, but in detail, what is it like being on the pitch with Messi and watching him with a ball at his feet? How True. different is he from other human beings? Uh, he's amazing. He's actually the one of the goals you'll you'll be able to find it somewhere on YouTube. Give yourself a laugh if you want later on today. Uh, it hits. The defender and falls behind, uh, hits someone and falls behind the left side centre back. So I need to come across from the right, and and I thought he was going to shoot on his right foot because he had a free shot. So I'm kind of going to block it, and he like rolls it round me. <laughs> it's like glued to his feet. So then I'm pulling his shot to try and put him off from his shot, and he still manages as he's fallen to toe poke it in the bottom corner. So. Uh, You'll have a chuckle to see, like, I tried everything in my power to stop him. Can still, we laugh, though? I don't think we can laugh. I don't think it's that embarrassing no, to get done, not done at all. in by Messi at all. No. If I say it's not that embarrassing, I mean not embarrassing at all. Yeah, my, ke- my kids what is, it? Is, it, is bal- it? what is it? It's balance. So what makes him so bloody... Yeah, I think it's his technical ability with the ball. So it's like he's glued to his feet and he can manipulate the ball left and right. His low centre of gravity allows him to run at speed and, and change that. Is he direction. quick? Is he really quick? Yeah, he's not pitch. anymore. I think when you see him now, he's, he's slowing, but in his prime, which that would probably have been probably just before his prime, he was he was lightning quick, uh, where he could he could go from zero to a hundred very very quickly. Uh, yeah, it was, it was it was a joy to play against him, but obviously not a joy to. To see him scoring two goals. <laughs> did you did you play against Ronaldo? Uh, I, I did, yeah, but he was it was when he was the kind of wide Ronaldo, so I never played directly up against him uh, when he was like, number nine. But he played. We played a Man United team that had like Rooney, Berbatov, Ronaldo, Tevez. Uh, so they were like incredible. That's that team. They were dangerous, yeah. Do, do you ever think? Uh, uh, this is probably a silly question, but do you ever think? Oh, I'll ask for him for his top. I'd, I'd just be thinking I'll get get Messi's top here. Well, I'm yeah. about to ask Gary for his. <laughs> From that game, I got uh, Ronaldinho's top. So my, oh. <laughs> my little boy, I've got that in a frame. Uh, I've got that and then Zaghi from AC Milan. They're the two big tops. But it's something now when I look back, I never really, I wasn't really into tops. If I won, I wanted to celebrate with my teammates. If I got beat, then I just wanted to kill everyone and I was really angry. So... Uh, Getting a football top wasn't really at the top of my my list of priorities, but again, when you finish and you look back, you think, oh, you know, I wish I could have got a few more. It's great you've got that in your back pocket if someone pipes up in the changing room. <laughs> yes, I'd love to have that. <laughs> Wouldn't you, though? When have you ever played against Messi? How many times have you played in the Champions League, son? Oh, God. Amazing. Thank you so much, Gary. Loved it. Yeah, that no was problem. incredible. I've loved Thank it. Thank you very much. I um I apologise in advance about Saturday because about six months ago John mentioned Barry Bannon to me and I was like who the fuck's Barry Bannon I never heard of him and since then 
people have sent loads of clips. He's quite good. We're playing him on Saturday, aren't we? So he's, he's somebody I've played with. I played uh, have you? <laughs> Scotland national team with him. Yeah. Did you? Uh, when he was younger, uh, a, a fantastic player. Uh, still going strong. I don't know what age he is now. He'll be probably mid thirties. Uh, but a great player, and yeah, somebody we have to be aware of. But yeah, uh, like I asked a, him onto the pod, and he he's not happy with me. I don't think he's happy with me. Right? Yeah, basically, David said he didn't know who he was. I, did, then... I, I genuinely, because I hadn't followed League One or Championship, I was like, who's he? Yeah, and then basically he got into a little bit of a Instagram. He got he started piping up on Instagram. Oh, it was yeah. horrible. It was horrible. <laughs> so you see, can you apologise? Yeah, he's, he's going to be on top form on Saturday. Now. I'll, uh, I'll drop it in and try and put him off his game on Saturday. I'll speak to him. <laughs> David's, David's in the crowd giving you some stick today. Yeah. So. David said, who the fuck's Barry Bannon? <laughs> 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 Thank you so much, Gary. I've loved it. Thanks, Gary. And good luck no for the problem. rest of the season and look forward yeah, to the championship. Brilliant. I look forward to meeting you hopefully in person soon as well. Yeah, brilliant. Thank you, mate. Have a good day, Saturday. Thank you. Cheers. Hello, everyone. It's David here. Just popping on to say um, happy Christmas and uh, oh, Merry Christmas. I don't know what you're supposed to say there. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. And thank you for listening to the podcast this year and supporting what me and John have been doing um, and me and Joe previously and thank you to all our guests who have come on and uh, our little regular guests James Gill and Lloyd Griffith and um, and uh, yeah and who knows next year let's get into the playoffs and let's you know let's sneak into the championship I'm fa- do you know what I'm fed up with extra fans saying, oh, no, you've got to get stability because you can stay in League One for about five years, mate, and then hopefully if there's a... No, let's get into the playoffs and get into the championship. I'm bored of League One. I'm bored of all the teams in League One. I don't want to ever see them again. I want the championship. I want to go to QPR. I want to go to, uh, I don't know, Watford. I want a piece of Watford's ass. So please, let's get into the championship and then let's get into the Prem and let's believe. Shed all your baggage and...